right, guys, our B series is back. And today we've got a little switcheroo because Marion and her husband, Reverend Dr. Nathan Brown, but we're all friends here, so he said we can call him Nathan. <laughs> we are going to sit down with them and have a little bit of a conversation. They are two pastors under one roof, which, as you may imagine, probably presents a little bit of a unique situation especially on a Sunday morning, but probably during the week too. So thank you guys so much for being willing to talk to us, especially you, Nathan, for coming to hang out with us. We are so excited. Absolutely. Just to get us rolling, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, how long you've been married, and how long you've been in ministry? Sure. Um, I would love to be asking the questions. I'm just going to start saying that. So it's fun to be here with Nathan. Uh, thank you, Shauna. Uh, we've been married for 15 years, and we have two children, a middle schooler and an elementary schooler, and we met in graduate school, so we met at Vanderbilt Divinity. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, and we've lived in three different states. We got married and moved to Virginia and both served churches, and then we moved to Kentucky where we both served churches, and then I served in a nonprofit, and now we live in Georgia. Awesome. That sounds like an adventure. Nathan, tell us really quick, what is the name of your church that you're at? So I serve Sandy Springs Christian Church as senior minister. Um, it's located at Johnson Ferry in Abernathy. Um, been there, January was three years, um, was our three-year anniversary. So, yeah, Very love it. Very cool. Mm -hmm. All right, well, we'll start out with something light and a little bit of fun. And this is a topic that is up for debate often. You guys, casual or formal for church? Ready, go. Okay, well, I, we wear, I'm wearing jeans, so it's been a really interesting shift to wear jeans to church. Um, normally, I'm much more traditional and would have on a robe and stole uh, in my previous congregations, and so I'm pretty casual these days for worship, which is a lot of fun. COVID makes things a little different. Um, for a while there, when we were just worshiping at home as a family, we were in pajamas. So we we're real casual. That's very casual. Um, but uh, I come from a tradition that is more traditional. We wear robes and stoles, and um, so I actually robe up on Sunday morning, still wear a, a coat and tie and all that stuff, but most of my people do not, so I'm, I'm the abnormal one. But um, yeah, that's kind of the tradition I grew up in, and so I, I carry that on. It varies from place to place, so that's awesome. All right, so tell us a little bit about during the week and sermon prep. Maybe people don't know, but there's a lot that goes into that. What does it look like with both of you trying to write a sermon during the week and go back and forth with that? Both of you are getting ready for that Sunday morning deadline. Well, it's something. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the gifts of having, um, you know, your spouse as a minister is they kind of understand what you go through each and every week, and, and part of that process is the weekly sort of experience of, of crafting a sermon. And so, um, you know, we both have our own processes about how we go about that, but I think one of the things that um, I really rely on and have come to rely on is that I don't get in the pulpit and say anything unless she's heard it first. Um, and so she's a part of that weekly kind of discipline. Um, you know, I, I spend the week crafting the sermon, but um, Saturday before, she hears it, and um, she gives her feedback, and there's plenty of it usually, <laughs> and, and it's, it's always helpful, um, and so that's, but our processes are different. I, my, yeah, I mean, I don't, 
know how much they want to know about that, but yeah. certainly she plays a big part in whatever ends up being delivered on Sunday morning. So, Yeah, and our children, I feel sorry for our children because sometimes, especially on Saturdays, they'll ask us a question, and I'm like, I have no idea what that child just asked me because I'm already in my mind thinking about what I would, what's the next move or what I'm going to say next. Um, the other thing is, you know, you see all this stuff happen around you, and you think, oh, God's a great illustration for this other scripture. And so you're constantly looking for things. You're constantly listening to stories. And it can be a lot of fun because it makes you look at the world very, very differently when you are processing it through the lens of scripture all the time. But then uh, that can get really boring for our kids, too. What's, what's amazing to me is, um, you know, we both tend to follow lectionary when we preach, not 100%, but um, so oftentimes we're preaching on the same texts, and um, what fascinates me all the time is where I end up and the, the, the message I preach and how different it is from the one, you know, she ends up preaching on a Sunday morning. Um, it's just the way the Spirit moves in different ways for different settings, so. And that's actually a great catalyst for my next question, because inquiring minds want to know, do you guys have anything you go toe-to-toe on theologically? What is that like? Well, um, I think as an overall sort of theological picture, we're, we're pretty similar in lots of different ways. The way that our churches practice certain tr- traditions or rituals is, is different. So I'm part of what's called the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. We're a smaller denomination, um, very similar to United Methodist Presbyterians, but we practice things differently. So, for instance, whereas Methodists baptize infants, um, we do believer's baptism. So we, we dunk you. You know, that's, that's what we do. Um, you know, we practice communion every week. Uh, and we, we tend to think about communion as an ordinance versus Methodists think about it as a sacrament and, and don't do it as often. And so, um, so there were some interesting conversations when children came and we were talking about baptism and how that might happen. Um, but... My vote counted twice. Um, I, uh, Nathan actually was baptized as an infant in the United Methodist tradition. I didn't have much of a leg to stand on at that point, so, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, and, and so as the mom um, with, with the children, I, my vote counted twice. Both of, our inf- uh, both of our children know it's really quite special. We were able to honor both traditions. So one Sunday, Nathan actually dedicated each child. The very next week, uh, we baptized the babies. So um, as soon as, you know, a few months old, they were dedicated by their dad and then baptized by their mom, um, both. So it was really kind of nice that we were able to honor both and then continue to teach them about why we did that. And, and that is a fantastic example of compromise, too, I think. Yeah. We, we found some workarounds, too. Um, so in the United Methodist tradition, you know, for communion, the, the ministers need to baptize the, the elements versus in our tradition, lay people do that. And so when Marion was serving a nonprofit and was not serving a church in Kentucky at the time, she was able to be at my church for worship on Sunday mornings. And I noticed that um, when she would get the kids in the pews ready for communion, um, she felt the need to kind of have her own special blessing over communion to make sure that it was going to be effective. Or So, um, you know, interesting how we work through that uh, in our different traditions. I love that. That's awesome. It sounds like you guys have found a good groove. <laughs> That's very good. And a lot of people know, too, ministry is a unique industry and in that you are always giving. 
Um, even pastors burn out. People that aren't even in ministry, they know about that. It's a very real thing. How do you guys support each other in that? And then what's unique about being two pastors together, you know, kind of walking a mile in each other's shoes? What, is that, what does that look like for you guys? For me, it goes back to what I said earlier, which was that, you know, to have, it, it has its challenges of having two pastors in, in one household, but it also has its, its gifts and its blessings, which is at the end of the day, when I come home, you know, she knows what I've been through and she can relate to sort of, you know, the experiences that I have and, and vice versa. Um, and she's also really good to say to me, you know, you've worked a lot of hours this week, you need to take a break. Or I can tell, you know, you're, you're burning out, you need, to, you need to take some time. And so, um, so in having that, I think that that's a huge gift um, and it makes a huge difference in terms of balance, you know, so. Yeah, I think it's the same. It's just holding each other accountable while understanding the work um, and helping each other create boundaries while making sure we're able to take care of what we need to take care of. Um, it's interesting though, because his congregation and Chapel Roswell, I mean, we just feel like it's all family, you know? And so we are interested in what's happening in the lives of people that we worship with. And so um, if someone's sick, or whatever life event is happening, we share that. So whenever we come home from our Sundays apart, we've done this since Virginia, since the beginning, we go home and say, oh, you're not gonna believe this. And so we share about each other's congregations um, in a way so that when Nathan comes to mine or I go to his, we still know what's happening in the life of our family. So it, it's kind of a blessing that you have someone who understands and understands how important um, oh, look, so-and-so brought their baby. Aren't that exciting? And so someone to share those things with is a lot of fun. That's a really beautiful picture, too, I think, of how there's unity in the body of Christ. We're not really separated by churches because we're all one. So that's really cool. Thank you. How do you guys turn off pastor mode? How do you go home and, and how do you just kind of turn that off and get to just be regular people? Because we know you're regular people, too. Well, <laughs> so my children don't let me pray at home because they say my prayers are like, oh, no, she's going to preacher mode. So having children will do that for you very quickly. They'll say, no, we're not asking the preacher. We're asking her mom, like, can you stop? Don't go there. Um, if they ask a very easy question like, hey, mom, what are we doing for Christmas? I might slip into this whole theological point about Christmas. And the kids are like, yeah, we don't. When is Santa coming? Like, we really need to just get back down to the basics. So that's a really big help. But um, I don't know. That it's just, I don't know that you ever turn it off as much as you just um, enjoy different moments of the day in different ways. That, I think that's how I would talk about it. How about you? Yeah, I mean, being a minister, it's, it's not just what you do. It's who you are to some degree. And so um, removing the two is difficult. But at the end of the day, you do play a role, and uh, your role is to lead, you know, the church, and you have to take breaks from that role just like you would in any other profession, and so it's important for us to, um, you know, have those hobbies and things we do outside of our, you know, churches, uh, that we have relationships and friendships, you know, outside of, of those, ch of our churches, um, just to kind of be able to walk away from that role for a period of time, knowing, you know, we got to re recharge and refresh to, to come back to that role um, and what it entails, so, yeah. 
And ministry is so multifaceted, but do either of you have something in particular in ministry that just feels like a passion for you, something that you really like to home in on and be a part of? Well, in worship, I absolutely love the sacraments. So to be a part of any baptism and to be a part of any act of communion is really meaningful. And I think to be able to officiate at funerals and weddings, those are such sacred moments for people. Um, I really enjoy kind of honoring where people are and being, a, being able to guide them through that on their way. Um, I love that part. I also, this is going to sound really uh, funny and probably cheesy, I absolutely love the business side of ministry. So I enjoy looking at financials. I enjoy figuring out the budgets. Uh, I just do. That's just um, really fun for me. <laughs> Glad somebody does. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, I don't enjoy that side. Um, <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a mentor early on say to me, you know, Nathan, if, if you love your people, you know, then everything else is going to be okay, you know. And, um, you know, when I felt called to ministry, one of the, one of the pieces of that was certainly um, because I wanted to be in a profession that would help people. And I, I love, I'm a social person, I love to be with people. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that aspect of the, the, the sacred sort of nature of being in pe with people in those most intimate moments, you know, of, of joys and, and concerns and, and life and death, um, there is nothing else like this profession in that way. Um, and while it presents its challenges and it's hard sometimes, it also is one of the greatest gifts and blessings of ministry. And, um, and that's the part that, that uh, I'm reminded of why I do it uh, in those moments. So, Yeah, absolutely. And we're grateful for that. We really are. Because it's Valentine's Day, I would love to hear you guys talk about your first date. What did that look like? And as a side, I'm going to throw you an extra question. Did you ever think you were going to end up marrying a pastor? Were you both like kind of already in that mode? Or just tell us a little bit about the beginning. Well, she just kept calling me, you know, and I just, it was like. That is not true. <laughs> Actually, it's not true. Um, in fact, there's two sides to this story. Um, I kept calling her, and at a certain point, I don't think she got it. Um, I think she just thought I was this nice guy who wanted to be her friend. And at a certain moment, I, I had to—I was talking to her, and I said, "Marion, you—you do know I like you, right?" <laughs> She's like, "Oh, oh, okay." <laughs> um, yeah, and there are two sides to our first date. I—I um, I thought we were going on a date. I took her to a uh, Rob Schneider movie, I think. Uh, great move on that one. Yeah. yeah. No wonder she thought we weren't yeah. dating, um, you know, so uh, <clears throat> she has a very different first date, which is probably the, the right one. Uh, you can tell the real first date. What I thought was our first date. Yeah. Well, and I will say Nathan kept asking me to go places, and in divinity school, the way we were in divinity school, we had a group of friends that we were with, and so anytime Nathan would say, hey, do you want to go somewhere? I'd say, yeah, I'll call the gang. So I kept inviting people with us, not really knowing. Um, but I always consider our first date the night uh, we went to dinner. It was a great restaurant in the village in Nashville. I'm not even sure it's still, well, I know it doesn't exist anymore. It's called the Sunset Grill. And we had dinner there. And so I always consider that, you know, he fed me. And I was like, this is a great guy. Uh, and so that was what I always thought was our first date. Yeah. Love it. Very sweet. Mm -hmm. 
Is there a moment for either of you in ministry that just stands out as something very meaningful? I know that's kind of a broad question, but is there anything that comes to mind that you're just like, wow, that was a meaningful moment in ministry, and this is why I do this? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, she'll probably say the same I get, as my guess, but, you know, there are moments where we were able to have sort of you know, ministry, sacred moments with family um, that, I mean, we both participated in our children's dedications and their baptisms. Um, you know, I remember at our wedding, we, we served everyone who came. There were 500 people at our wedding. And, uh, boy, that seems so strange in our times today, doesn't it? But um, I, we served everyone communion. Everybody came forward. We did a by, a by intention. And, um, you know, uh, in fact, it's a funny story. We, um, we weren't expecting that many people. She was serving a church in Baton Rouge at the time, and uh, we knew the people we'd invited to the wedding, but then the rest of the congregation could come as well. And so the, the sanctuary's full, and um, we, had, we had got enough bread and juice for, you know, the folks we thought were going to be there. Well, we're kind of doling out the bread, and I'm looking at it, and it's getting really, really low. And I'm like, <laughs> the body of Christ, the body of, body of Christ keeps getting smaller and smaller <laughs> to the point that... Uh, it's no longer this symbol of God's unconditional, great, big love. Like no it's, more it's it's scarcity at this point. And my, I remember my cousin came through. He was the last one. He was an usher. He was the last one to come through. And I literally had this piece of bread left. And I'm like, this is the body of Christ. He took it. Well, later uh, we were cleaning up after the service, getting ready to go to the reception, and we walk around behind uh, the lectern, and there sits two more loaves of bread we didn't know were there. And so. There's always enough, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's um, so, anyway. But those are the moments that have been most meaningful, I think, for me. Certainly, there are many others with the congregations we've served, but you can't help but appreciate the ones where you've been able to share those special rituals or sacred times with your, with your family, so. Yeah, and we've been able to participate in funerals. And I know that sounds really strange, but we've been active participants of our family, very dear members of our family's funerals. And so to know that, I had a prayer for my mother-in-law, or that he had a prayer for, you know, there's these moments that you go back to that you read the same liturgy you've been reading for years. You know, this is my 16th year in ministry. So at those funerals, to read the same words for someone that you loved, knowing that you've been reading them for people, for other people, um, there's a great power in that for me. And so they had some of the most meaningful moments were actually during funerals where I'm reading the same rite as I have for everyone that uh, we've buried in every congregation. It's the great communion of saints that you experience over and over again when you get to say those words and you get to be a part of helping somebody comfort and heal. And then for you to go through it and read the same words, there's, there's power there. And that's one of the, again, one of the blessings of having two ministers in a household. So my mom died this year, and, you know, we weren't able to do the service when she died, and so we waited until a little bit later to do it. And, you know, it was difficult to find a pastor to do it because of the circumstances in the world. And I just remember saying to Marion, I said, look, there's, there's no one I trust more to do this. Would you be willing to officiate or, you know, to preside at, at mom's funeral? And she didn't just pray. She was the, you know, she was, she was the minister for the service. Um, so those are gifts that only kind of can happen in a household with two, two pastors in it. Yeah. So, That's yeah. really special. Thank you for sharing that. 
I'm going to ask you a question that Marian asks everyone when she interviews for the B series. Is there a scripture that you guys have kind of centered around your relationship, something that you guys kind of go back to? Yes, when we were getting married, uh, <laughs> this is another funny thing about preachers. We were, the thing that took us the longest to do was um, agree on our wedding ceremony. Um, I wanted it a certain way, and Nathan wanted it a certain way, and I'm like, no, you have to follow the United Methodist Book of Worship. He's like, oh, no, you have to follow the disciples. I'm like, no, no, and so we went over and around and around on the actual words and the vows, and we probably had a list of 14 scriptures, and um, while everybody was asking us about colors and flowers, we're like, we can't pick our scripture, um, and so uh, we did find we did find a, a scripture, and I will tell you, the person that married us, my pastor, um, he was the one that guided me through my ordination process. Uh, Brother Brady, he actually knew me from a child at my home church, and so he had kind of watched me through this whole process and mentored me through seminary. Um, he was also the one that told you never to marry a minister. So yeah. That was, that, yeah, he said, stay out. away. Don't ever, whatever you do, do not marry a United Methodist minister. Hmm. And I was like, well, Brother Brady, you did not warn me about disciples. Uh, uh, so, and it was really funny because at the end of, you know, when we were getting married, Brother Brady said, I'm so glad y'all talked about what you want. It doesn't matter because this is what I'm going to do for you. And this is what we will do for your wedding. Uh, incredible mentor. But one of the things he did was stick to our scripture. And this is something that we've gone back and we've always centered ourselves around. So whatever life thing is happening, we've always gone back to Colossians 3. And I think you have it. I'll read it to you. It's Colossians 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's very beautiful. Thank you guys so much for being with us, for being willing to have this conversation, for sharing your sweet and personal moments. We're very grateful for what you both do. Um, Nathan, would you be willing to close us out in prayer? Yes, and thank you for having me today. This is we this is it. not often that we get to be in worship together on a Sunday morning, so I really appreciate you allowing me to be here today with my family as well. Thank so, you. Yeah. yeah, let's pray. Gracious God, we do thank you for the gift of love, for the way that love manifests itself in so many different places and relationships, for the love we find in marriage the love we find in friendship, the love we find in family, the love we find in your church. 
We just pray that we might be clothed in that love, that we might share it in your world in new and creative ways during this very challenging time. Oh God, we know there are so many complexities we do face, so many challenges still ahead. And so we pray that you would give us strength, give us wisdom, give us discernment to find those ways to offer your love in the world. We know there are so many today who are suffering, who are sick, who feel isolated and alone, who need your healing touch, your comfort, your presence. May we as your church universal be that presence to them. May we help heal and comfort and love in ways that might bring us together as your one body. We thank you for Roswell United Methodist Church, for Chapel Roswell, for the unique ministry that you do here, for Sandy Springs Christian Church and the people who gather in your name there. Remind us today that we are all one church, called to be your faithful people in the world. May we continue to further your ministry here on earth. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.